the first chapter, verses 6 through 14. Hear now God's words for you. While the apostles were still with Jesus, they asked him, Lord, are you now going to give Israel its own king again? And Jesus said to them, You don't need to know the time of of those events that only the Father controls, but the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power. Then you will tell everyone about me in Jerusalem and in Judea in Samaria and everywhere in the world. After Jesus had said this, and while they were watching, he was taken up into a cloud, and they could not see him. But as he went up, they kept looking into the sky, and suddenly two men dressed in white clothes were standing there beside them, and they said, Why are you men from Galilee standing here and looking up into the sky? Jesus has been taken to heaven, but he will come back in the same way that you have seen him go. The Mount of Olives was about half a mile from Jerusalem, and the apostles who had gone there were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon known as the Eager One, and Judas the son of James. And after the apostles returned to the city, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying, and the apostles met together often and prayed with a single purpose in mind. And the women and, the, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, would meet with them, and so would his brothers. The word of the Lord. It was in the summer, early summer, of uh, 2001 that our oldest daughter, Caroline, who was a member of a dance troupe, um, was uh, the dance troupe itself, was given this opportunity to travel to Austria for the Austrian Alps Folk Festival. And there they would go to place to place and dance. Well, I broke the rules about not volunteering, and so we volunteered to go as the chaperones, and we were able to take our daughter Charlotte too, so we went as a family. And it was a really good trip. Now, as the uh, only male chaperone, my primary duties was baggage handling and dress holding. <laughs> but that's not all bad. In some ways, it's kind of nice not to be in charge. But it's a beautiful place, lovely people, great food. We had a terrific day, a terrific time, I should say. So one day late in the trip, we are having one of the down days. The kids were only going to dance that evening. We're in this little town of Meyerhofen. Meyerhofen, I see people nodding their head. Meyerhofen is about 2,000 feet above sea level in the middle of the Tyrolean Alps, and the peaks rise around it to about 11,000 feet. Well, it's a little town. Teenagers can't get in trouble, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> We sent the kids out to do whatever they wanted to do. And Karen and I were strolling through town, and we got to the foot of one of the chairlifts that they would ski down in the wintertime. It would take you to the top. And all the kids, including our oldest, had signed up to go to the top of the mountain to paraglide off. I don't know how far it was down. Several thousands of feet is all I know. Now, that sounds like fun to you? There's never been a time in my life when that would have been fun. <laughs> I'm afraid of heights. So it was really the between times. Karen said, don't 
tell them that I went back to the hotel and slept so we knew she was safe. <laughs> so I won't tell you that part. Um, but it really is this waiting for what comes next, what comes next, and in some ways worrying about it. And then, of course, nothing happens and everything's fine, as we always knew it would. I tell you that to remind you that we live in a culture, we live in a society that just loves stimulation. We always want to be doing something new, something more, uh, something more vigorous, all the kinds of things. We love the new. I do too. There's nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly okay to enjoy new things. We want to move from one mountaintop experience to the next, from one high to another. We don't much like downtime. But whether it comes as pleasure or from pushing the edge or even from crisis, we sort of like to live in the highlights. Unfortunately, the truth is nobody gets to stay in the highlights all the time. Life also automatically comes with downtime, the time in between. Most people hate those kind of transitions, those times when the old is ending and the new is coming and you don't know exactly what it's going to look like. You don't know what it's going to hold. New experiences, transitions are hard. Many of you know that Karen and I own property in North Carolina. It's property I inherited from my mother. We have been planning for the last 10 plus years when it comes time to retire, we will move there and build a house on this property. Now, this house, this property is really only accessible by crossing a pretty good sized creek and needing about half a mile of road. I have a choice. I can build a bridge and a road, but not a house. And I decided I didn't want to live under a bridge. So we did the next logical thing, and it is you go to somebody who has adjacent property and you say, would you sell me a right-of-way? I needed 20 by 20 feet. That's all I needed. It had no impact on this person's property, really. Two weeks ago, the word came back, and the answer is no. They will not sell the property. And they won't because they love living in the woods. The fact that most of the woods belongs to me is besides the point. It's over. It's the in-between. I don't know what we're going to do now. What we thought we had planned is not going to happen. Now, all of you are thinking, oh, I can come up with a solution for him. Don't go down that road. We've already thought about most of those things. I'm to the point of saying it's over. You sometimes just have to move on, whether you want to or not. And that is where we find the disciples. Jesus has been with them since resurrection. Jesus is preparing to ascend to heaven, and they still haven't got it figured out. They're asking him, when are you going to establish the kingdom here in Israel? And Jesus says, basically, you don't get it, do you? It's not for you to understand when all these things will come about. And then Jesus ascends. But before he goes, he says, go back to Jerusalem and wait. That is almost the worst thing you can tell human beings. Wait. Nobody is a good waiter. We want to move forward now. 
But that's what it means to live in the in-between, the transition time. To live in the time when much of what we thought we knew has changed. It's not going to be now. And we wonder what will be. And yet the in-between times can also be times of great revealing of God if we will let it. If we will let God turn our hearts and minds and energy toward the meaningful as we wait. It can be a time where we grow and grow in strength and grow in understanding. As we look at our world, it really shouldn't come as any surprise that God has built into into nature itself we call it fall, or maybe some other time, but downtimes, time when things aren't happening so much. God knows we need periods of waiting too. If you burn the candle at both ends, you know the old thing, we soon burn it out. The prophet Isaiah reminds us those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. We want to be an eagle today. We don't want to wait to be an eagle. So how do we make sense of this in-between time, this transition time? I think the first thing we have to remember is that transitions are never wholly good or wholly bad. They just are. They really may become something very important to us that we never expected, and we cannot know that because we haven't lived long enough. But it's the way we spend the time as we wait that may make a difference. I know I've told this story before. Some people say it's a parable. Some people say it comes from uh, Zen Buddhism. I don't know. But it's a great story, and it's worth telling wherever it comes from. The farmer and his son have a horse that helps them to do the work on their farm. And one day, the horse runs away. Said, isn't it a shame your horse ran away? And the farmer says, maybe. Maybe not. Jeff's smiling. He knows how it goes. A few days later, the horse returns, and it brings with it a whole herd of horses. And the neighbor says, you're so lucky. You have now all these horses. And the old farmer says, maybe, maybe not. The son decides he needs to break this, some of these new horses, so he climbs onto one of the horses, is thrown, and breaks his leg. And the neighbor says, how unfortunate. And the farmer says, maybe, maybe not. A couple of weeks go by, and representatives of the government come through the area recruiting young men for the army to go fight the wars and he cannot go because he has a broken leg and the neighbor says how fortunate and the farmer says maybe not you see that really is the way life is you can't judge what are going to be until you get there we can't see everything Thankfully, thankfully God does, and we don't have to. Most of the time, we get so impatient to get on with living. What's next, God? Tell us what to do next. 
or we fixate on stuff we can't control anyway and we worry or we speculate and we make the in-between time miserable. Following His ascension into heaven, the disciples and the early Christian church, even down to the present, has spent a huge amount of time speculating on when's Jesus going to come back. I can tell you one thing. In 2,000 years, they've got it wrong every time. Why are we worrying about stuff like that that we can't control and we can't predict? Truth is, that's not what we're called to do. We are not to speculate about when God will do whatever God does next. We are to fix our eyes on God in the present and call to live now. Not wait, meaning don't do anything, but wait with creativity. Waiting as we go about the tasks of ministry we know how to do. To go about the living we know how to do. Notice that the disciples, as they come back to Jerusalem to wait, spend an awful lot of time praying together, living together, being with each other in direct obedience to Jesus. It's not a static time. It is a time of being empowered in the wait. Can't we learn that level of fellowship and prayer too? In between time is not wasted time. It's prep time. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Jesus tells them. Guess what? We are supposed to be the ones who have received power of the Holy Spirit already. It comes with baptism. In that Holy Spirit-enabled and guided ministry, we are able to do things even now in the in-between. Please, don't let this idea that we live in not the, the not yet make you say, well, we'll just sit back and do nothing. That's not what we're talking about. That certainly is not what Jesus meant when he told the disciples to wait. There is a kind of creative waiting that is all about getting ready for the next big thing. And that's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to do. And we're called to do that with confidence. Not confidence that what we want is going to happen, but confidence that what God needs to happen to us and for us and in us is going to happen. That's the confidence we need to have. The in-between times, there are times when we learn to trust even when we don't see where the outcome is going to be. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.